0: Alright guys welcome to today's show and today on the show we are going to be continuing this bear hunting kick that we've been on recently and I'm pretty excited about it because joining me on the show is a guy named Wilder over now he is from Canada and he got into hunting in a very interesting way especially bear hunting you're going to hear a little bit about it here in just a minute but basically he started a guide service or bought a guide service before he had ever even hunted bear or knew anything about hunting bears. And so he went from that to also starting a coffee company called Bear Beans Coffee, where they give so much of their proceeds back to conservation work specifically for bears. And so we're going to talk all about his journey, talk about what Canadian bear hunting looks like for those of you that might be interested in going up there to chase after some spring or even fall black bears. And I'm going to tell you right now, after all these conversations, I really want to do this. Everyone I've talked to is super jacked about it. They're like, dude, everybody comes back or we're going back again next year and they just can't get enough of going and sitting for bears similar to what we do for deer hunting, but for giant black bears. So I'm pretty pumped about it. Let's jump in to the conversation.
1: I don't know what to expect. If there's anybody I want in the woods with me, it'll be you.
0: All right, guys. Welcome to today's show. And on the show with me today, I've got Will DeRover. And he is a coffee company owner, a hunting guide, a hunting outfitter owner from Canada. And we're going to talk all about bear hunting and coffee. And so, Will, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, man. (laughs) Why don't you start out? We we've just been getting to know each other for a couple minutes before the recording. But why don't you share with the listeners maybe a little bit about your hunting history, what you do now, and then we'll jump into the convo.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, like I was saying, I I started hunting when I was about eighteen or so. I didn't grow up hunting. None of my family hunts, and uh, my my wife actually was the one who got me into hunting. Her family hunted a bit, and and uh, I only really started learning about hunting when I started dating her. So that was, uh, that was how I got into hunting and, and, uh, interesting story. Like I was mentioning to you earlier, Dan, I, I never, uh, I never had hunted a bear or deer or anything before we started, uh, outfitting actually. So I learned hunting while I was guiding hunters. So that was, uh, that was quite the experience and quite the learning curve, but it's, uh, we bought the hunting outfitter, I think four years ago now. So this will be our, our fourth season that we're running it. And, uh, my business partner, Brandon Friesen, he actually runs the outfitter and, uh, he's, he's an amazing guide and he's the only reason that we are successful when we bought the place to begin with. So it, uh, it's been quite the ride learning how to outfit and meeting guys from all over the States and, and, uh, guiding them on hunts and seeing them be successful in their first bears or sometimes for guys have shot 20 or 30 bears and they're real picky about the ones they shoot. It's, it's been an awesome experience.
0: Yeah, that's cool. I guess I feel like that might be a bit of a shocker. Like I've, I've got almost zero experience bear hunting. I've seen one black bear in the wild and to go and do a hunt like that. And it's just like, Hey man, like how long have you been doing this? And you're like, well, I just bought the business. I actually don't know how to do this, but my partner does. And, uh, I find that everybody I've talked to that goes up to Canada or really goes and does like a baited bear hunt anywhere it becomes a yearly thing they do it mm-hmm. every single year and i think that just speaks to the type of hunting that you guys do and the oh, encounters yeah. that people have even my buddy he just he was telling me about a recent bear hunt that he went on and i'm like dude you had you had a bear like 2 feet from you and he's like oh yeah he's like i saw so many they were walking right past me and i'm like dude That's a whole different world. What was that like? I mean, not having that experience before or being like a hunter and then jumping into that world and seeing how it all works. What I mean, it had to be a culture shock.
1: Oh, absolutely. It was, it was crazy. Like, it's kind of the same as you. I'd never even seen bears around, really. I mean, we were farmers, so we'd see them in the back of our field sometimes and we're harvesting corn or whatever. But it was always just like a a wild animal that was way out there. And it was kind of, it was cool to see, but I was never, into uh i've never been close to them or anything and exactly like you said it's it's a whole different experience when you're sitting in a tree stand and there's bears multiple bears sometimes that are coming from different angles and black bears are so amazing for being able to like sneak up on you for a three or four or five hundred pound animal to just show up and you turn your head and like whoa it's right there like 20 (laughs) yards away that's probably the craziest thing i've experienced personally is um once in a while we'll sit with our clients in the tree stand if they're not comfortable being in the bush or whatever and and just to be sitting there for a couple hours nothing nothing and then all of a sudden you look to your right and you're like whoa there's a bear right there how did that thing get here so quietly that's that's unreal have you have you actually shot one at this point or do you still just outfit no i've i've harvested uh, i think five at this point oh myself nice. so yeah, I just just got my spring bear here and uh so our our, our uh, outfitter is in Manitoba and I actually live in British Columbia on the West Coast. So um Brandon lives in Manitoba and he does the he runs the outfitter there. So I just harvested my spring bear here in in BC like 2 weeks ago. So nice. I uh tagged out for the spring.
0: That is awesome. Yeah, that is that's a hunt that I definitely want to do. Have you has Getting into bear outfitting and then hunting, has that sparked any other hunting interests? Are you like branching out and trying a bunch of other types?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. So I like bear hunting is what really got me hooked. And then from there I've I'm all in on hunting now. I've I shot a nice whitetail at our farm when we still lived in Manitoba. And I've I've been unsuccessful so far, but I've gone on mule deer hunts for the last four years here in BC. And uh man, those are tricky animals to hunt, especially when you don't know what you're doing. So
0: <laughs> yeah it'd it's, be nice uh, to <clears throat> i mean being up there, you guys have access to so much wildlife, mm-hmm. and you know some of it's similar to here, but I feel like you guys it can- Canada feels like everything is just bigger, like the bears, <laughs> the moose, the deer, the mule deer, the elk. I don't know if it's the cold weather that forces them to like eat more nutrients or what, but um, when I see pictures coming out of Canada. Of some of these mule deer i mean some of the biggest mule deer in the world are shot in canada
1: every single mm-hmm. year oh yeah and white tails too we uh i think two or three years back we we guided some whitetail hunts at uh in manitoba and brandon guided the hunts and we had uh, some guys from michigan come up and they they shot this absolute giant tank of a white tail and the bot i can't remember what it was but i think it was over 300 pounds and it was just oh, like an absolute goodness. tank If you go on uh, Michigan Whitetail Pursuit on their website, you can see it. He shot it. They called it Frank the Tank. I think they named it. It was just a giant. So we we have some really big, big big-bodied deer up here. It's nuts. I I mean, I grew up in Wisconsin, so as far as bodies
0: go on whitetail, like, in the U.S., we have some of the larger-bodied whitetail. But Hmm. the fact that they continue to grow and get bigger, like, just overall – it's funny when you see a, a Canadian whitetail that's like a hundred and eighty inch deer. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look like a hundred and eighty <laughs> inch deer because exactly. the body is
1: so large on it. Exactly. Yeah, I know it's crazy. The proportions just change a little bit.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. What? Um. Back to back to bear hunting. What? What? I mean, you had to learn everything from start to finish when mm-hmm. it came to bear hunting. Was any of it like? I guess different than you were expecting or did you not have any expectations going into it and you just were like I know nothing teach me at
1: all yeah that that was pretty much how it was And the part that I actually found the most cool is the um, like I, I love processing animals afterwards they're after they're harvested like the skinning and taking the meat off and stuff like I, I actually now that I've been a guide for a bunch of years and done that I have more fun uh, like skinning and and taking the meat off of animals when other people shoot them than actually uh going hunting myself and it's the the big part of it especially at the outfitter is the like the camaraderie part we'll take the bear back to camp and we'll stand around with all the hunters and and uh well while we're skinning and stuff everyone's standing around and having a good time and that that part of the hunt is is probably my favorite part yeah i i I love the idea of like traveling.
0: I'm guessing you guys get repeat guests that come back each year. And there's something about that, like traveling somewhere, going and hunting. And then the camaraderie, like you said, of just hanging out at camp, even Mm -hmm. when you're not hunting, it's the time of your life. Oh, for sure. I told my buddy Weston that I was like, dude. I would go up there just to hang out at camp or just to do the four wheeler ride in and like be excited for when everybody comes back with a bear or the stories Mm -hmm. that they tell. Um, After, after experiencing all of that, what, I mean, the skinning side of it you said is your favorite part. Is there anything that's like, Oh man, this is not up my alley.
1: Somebody else can do, can do this (laughs) aspect of the job. Um, not of the job itself, but, um, I, I'm super impatient person, So I could never, like, I have a lot of respect for the guys that will sit in a tree stand for the full eight hours that it takes to, to shoot some of these giant bears. So, like, I, 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 don't know if I could do it and sit for eight hours in a row. I, I think it's amazing and it's, it's cool. Cause you get to see a lot more wildlife that way, but my, that's not my personal favorite style of hunting just cause I'm so impatient yeah. and, uh, but but it's really cool. I've done it a couple times, like I said, with clients and sitting there in the forest. And it's 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 a totally different experience than uh, than anything I've ever had before. And I bet you a lot of those
0: guys say, I mean, they probably see wildlife that they would never see back home.
1: Oh, absolutely. What, what other types of animals do you guys have there where the outfitter is? Um, so we do have deer up there and some moose. But um, the only things that really come into our bait sites will be wolves, which... It, uh, every year we have probably like four or five guys that will see wolves cruise past. They're, they're really sneaky animals. And you'll probably just see them like way off in the distance, but it's, uh, it's quite the experience last, how was it? Yeah. I think it was last fall. A guy shot a giant wolf off of his stand. I think it was like 80 yards out and uh, he took it from a bear bait. And uh, that that's probably the most exhilarating <laughs> animal to see when you're sitting in a, a bear stand to see him. I think the most was like four wolves in a pack going kind of like just on the outskirts of a bait site. And, uh, I, I wish I'd get to see that. that would be pretty cool.
0: That would be amazing. I, I have seen one wolf in the wild mm. I and mean, it was actually close to home in Wisconsin. Um, on my way to the bus stop of all places, <laughs> my brother and I, we were walking to the school bus yeah. and it was up in a field, but that is very high on my bucket list is to, to mm. hunt a wolf. Now, yeah, you. I know that before we started recording, you had mentioned in Manitoba, really the only successful way to hunt bears is with bait and from a tree sand. Um, yeah. have, you, have you tried hunting them a different way anywhere else
1: or have uh, you stuck to that? Yeah, so here in BC, we, we got a lot of mountains and, and open country, so we, we do spot and stalk. We're not actually allowed to bait here in BC. So it's a whole different way of hunting. And I I don't know if it's better or worse. I I like different parts of both of them, but uh here in BC we only do spot and stock. So we're okay. we're sitting for hours glassing or we're driving roads and and then hiking up a ridge and see if we can see something from up there, that kind of stuff.
0: Have you have you got to experience uh hunting with hounds at all? Or is that no.
1: illegal up there? No, it's not illegal. Um well, we can hunt for mountain lions with cats. And I actually don't know for sure if we're allowed to hunt for bears with um, with dogs, sorry. But uh, that's one thing that I've I've wanted to do. I tried to connect with some guys in the winter to go do some, uh, some cougar hunting, but it just never worked out. It was too cold. It was actually something that I, interesting, I learned about um, hound hunting, that once it's below minus 25 Celsius, they can't go out because the dog's lungs will freeze, actually, from the cold when they're, like, when they're actually exerting themselves, chasing after an animal. Dang. That was kind of cool to learn that. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. I didn't, I didn't know that. I <laughs> guess the one guy that I
0: went hound hunting with was in Utah. And so it doesn't get quite that cold, but he's like, dude, there's nothing like bear hunting with hounds because <clears> he said that they smell so bad or they have such a strong odor that the dogs can pick up that the dogs don't even have to have their nose to the ground. They can <clears> just be driving on roads and from the bed of the pickup truck, or sometimes they'll uh, like chain them up on the hood of it. He's yeah. like, just by driving and they're six feet above it, they can smell and they'll wow. start,
1: they'll start howling. That's crazy. Bears do have a strong smell though. Like after we would do a lot of, of tracking, if somebody just injured a bear or something, we have to go track it. And you can, when you get close to them, you can really smell them. It's They have a very distinct smell,
0: man. I want to, I I'm excited to see my first one up close like that, or, you know, after someone shot it or hopefully do it myself. Um, I've heard also, and this is totally different, but you said you like skinning. I've mm-hmm. heard that when you skin a bear, the carcass with no fur on
1: kind of resembles a human. Is that pretty accurate? I, I don't know. I mean, I, <laughs> I've i never really, I've never seen a skinned human, obviously, but a skinned <laughs> bear, <laughs> I, I don't think it looks super similar. Maybe Maybe in some ways it does. And we don't hang our bears when we skin them. We have them on a table. So maybe that kind of helps with the, the non-humanness of it as well. Maybe if it's hanging, it looks worse. But uh I haven't really noticed that myself. I've heard that said a lot, but I don't know. It's 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 a bear. Yeah. I think it's it's pretty bear. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and once you're around them a lot, I mean, I'm sure that people who who have no experience around them, you know it's probably a shock because i've i've oh, yeah. had animals like that where once the fur's off you realize how much of the mass of it that you see is made up just by the coat oh and, for sure and i'm sure the bears are the same way you probably take that fur off and it's like wait that's all that's under there i feel like oh there should yeah be
1: more yeah sometimes when guys will shoot like young bears or smaller bears and once you skin it and uh <laughs> take it take the hide totally off it's like wow there's not this is not a big animal actually and uh it can be really surprising how much or how little is left after you shoot a bear that looks like a pretty good sized bear and you take it all off it's like whoa this is a yeah not much bigger than a big dog yeah what um
0: do you guys hunt them both in the spring and in the fall
1: yeah yeah we have we've had um the last few years more guys come in the spring just because it works better with their other hunting schedules for fall and whatever else. But for some reason, we found this year that it's kind of 50-50, like half the guys come in the spring and half in the fall. I'm not sure why that is, but it's interesting. The the one thing that I'm
0: very curious about, and my buddy and I talked about it the other day on the podcast, is the size difference between spring bears and fall bears. Because obviously in the fall, they're bulking up for hibernation and In the spring they're coming out fairly depleted and ready to eat um what do you have like an average size that you shoot in the fall versus the spring weight wise
1: not really actually it's it's surprising that i mean it depends where you are i guess and in manitoba it's a bit more um, dramatic of a difference between spring and fall and in the fall that we'll definitely see like a good inch or two of fat a lot of times on this bears back and in the spring, it'll be less in some cases. But it's interesting, though, depending on the climate, because here my buddy just shot a bear like three weeks ago here in BC again. And we have a real temperate climate here. Like it, we get snow for like a week out of the year and it's, it's like classified as a temperate rainforest. So we're, we're pretty warm here. And this bear probably came out of hibernation like a few weeks before he shot it. And it had two inches of fat on his back. Like it, I don't know how much it went into hibernation with, but it was like, wow, this is crazy. So I think it really depends on the climate and I'm sure they'll put on in some cases, 50 or hundred pounds of of fat in the fall, especially in in colder climates. But uh, yeah, I think it depends a lot on the, the area. Okay.
0: Yeah. That's really interesting. I mean, 50 to hundred pounds of fat. My wife, I mean, she's, she's not happy with the 15 pounds that I've put on. Um, (laughs) I can't imagine 50 50 to a hundred. What, what are they eating up there? I mean, like up where you guys bait aside from like the stuff that you guys bring in, is it, is it mostly vegetation or are they, are they preying on other animals a lot?
1: No, it's, it's for sure. Mostly vegetation. Um, Some near some of the rivers and stuff, the bears will eat the fish and, um during certain times of the year but it's definitely mostly vegetation in the spring it's like um, when we're just getting going in the in the early spring it was like grass and dandelions and all that kind of stuff will will shoot bears all the time in their mouth and their stomachs are just right full of dandelions and soft soft vegetation like that oh nice yeah. and then when you guys
0: come in and start baiting what are you bringing for them i mean i i always hear that they like sweets um and then i've heard things like beaver that they
1: love beaver carcasses mm. what do you yeah. guys bait with so our normal bait is um trail mix and mixed with peanut butter so we will get like big 55 gallon drums of peanut butter and mix it up with trail mix and throw that in a barrel and that they'll the, the peanut butter mixes with uh with the um trail mix and makes like these balls and the, this rolls and tumbles and they get their claws in there and work on that for hours and hours and um we've tried beaver before i mean it's we don't have access to a lot of beavers but man they go nuts over those things it's uh yeah they just shred them apart it's that uh whatever i can't remember what it's called anymore That the gland that those beavers have that that certain smell and the bears just go absolutely crazy
0: that's really interesting because i didn't really know the the beaver thing at all i mean i just thought you know sweets and my mom would go to places and get like expired cookies and Mm -hmm. you name it. I mean, she'd pick it up at discount stores and just fill, (laughs) fill it with any type of sweet that she possibly could. She would go and hunt them. But yeah, beaver. That's a, that's a new one. Um, are, are these like, are the, are they skinned? Is it just the carcass or are they like full fur on
1: everything? Yeah. Just the full, full beaver. We had, uh, Uh, for one season we we were gonna buy another outfitter like four hours farther north from the one that we have now so i went up there and guided for a season and they had a lot more beavers up there and there was trappers and stuff that would um they were trapping them for the highways just to get rid of them and uh so we would put them at bait sites and the bears would just destroy bait sites trying to get at these beavers and they would just just shred them dang yeah
0: that's yeah Canada is a whole different animal. I'm like, Canada is basically because <laughs> everybody from everybody in the US, you know, it's like Alaska. Alaska is the most wild place you can go. Yeah. It seems like Canada is fairly, I mean, the whole place seems kind of wild to us. <laughs> um, is there, is there any other province, excuse me, provinces that you are looking at getting into or even if it's just for hunting and not necessarily business?
1: Yeah, well, personally, I'd love to uh, to hunt a grizzly bear and the only one of the few places left to do that would be um, Alberta or I guess the Yukon, we could do it in too, but then you have to go through an outfitter. So I think as just a Canadian citizen, I can still go to Alberta if I have a Alberta resident that goes with me. Oh, nice. Yeah, so that that would be definitely one of my bucket list hunts to get a grizzly. I've never even really seen one up close yet. so. That's uh, that's a whole nother level of bear hunting as grizzlies compared to black bears. Yeah. Would you do that with a bow or with a rifle? I don't know. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm getting into bow hunting and I wouldn't be right now. I wouldn't be confident enough with my bow to, to take it against the grizzly. So we'll see. Hopefully by the time I get the chance, I'll be more competent with my bow. <laughs> I feel like even
0: lifelong bow hunters, uh, once you once you talk about a grizzly being in front of him i mean i love shooting my bow and i would definitely want to do it but i would second guess myself pretty quickly oh, yeah. like somebody <laughs> please have
1: a rifle right behind me just in case things go south yeah most bow hunters still do i think um they'll have someone with a, with a <laughs> a large caliber weapon standing right behind them just in case because those grizzlies are are something else they can be extremely Aggressive, and even with an arrow in them, I've seen them do a huh, cover a lot of distance with the arrow in their vitals. Yeah, I'm out on that
0: part of it. I I, <laughs> I joke with my wife and with my buddies that if I knew I would survive, I would totally take like one swipe just like they have an awesome <laughs> scar. But I'm sure seeing them in person, I'm like, nah,
1: no, uh, I'm not, not gonna risk
0: it. it. I'm not. I'm not messing around with that. No. Um, the, the five bears that you've got, have they been all with, have they all been with a bow or, uh, are no. some of them firearms? Yeah,
1: actually all, all of them have been firearms. Cause I, oh, nice. I shot my first one in Manitoba and that was just around the time when I was getting into hunting. And, uh, that one was, it was still on our farm or like close to our farm, one of my buddy's properties. But, uh, and then out here in BC, I've never been able to get close enough to a bear to shoot him with a bow. This spring we tried like crazy we tried really hard i got within 60 yards of one like a super nice bear me and my buddy and then it the wind changed and it got us and so then we took our rifles out the next few times just because we wanted to harvest something before the season was over so made it a bit easier yeah the i think it'd be cool i mean especially over bait you know
0: you have Mm -hmm. a lot more assurance that they're going to be close yeah but I can't imagine trying to stalk a predator like that with a bow. I mean, (laughs) to just sneak in on it because obviously their senses are elite. And and I've watched those videos of guys that are trying to do spot and stalk and the wind shifts and they might be Mm -hmm. 400 yards away and that bear just doesn't
1: like it. And it's gone even though it's across the Valley. That bears nose are so, so crazy. It's insane. So the one that we are sneaking up on, we got within like 60 yards and there was no good cover after that. So we had to wait for it to come to us and just seeing that it was a huge bear. It was probably like 400 pounds or so. And it was just seeing it that close coming straight towards you. It's like, wow, this is your heart's going like a mile a minute. And it's that's like next level adrenaline It's crazy. Oh, man. Yeah, that would be wild. And I've seen people that will like, especially in the
0: spring, do predator calls for them mm-hmm. and so it's like not only do you have that where it's like coming towards you but now you're making a sound as if you're prey and he's coming in because <laughs> he's hungry and he thinks he's going to get a free meal uh yeah <laughs> i feel like that's just at that's messing with fire at that point oh yeah
1: yeah that's crazy i've been reading a uh, um this book right here from uh from uh, Douglas Bowes about predator calling for bears. And I, I've never really heard of that before. I'm like, wow, that sounds like (laughs) would be a crazy experience to have bears charging in thinking there's like a a dead rabbit or a dying rabbit or something. And so I just got this little call actually, like last week, I'm gonna try it out in the fall or um, if I have time yet this spring, but uh, I'm gonna definitely try that soon. And uh, it'll (laughs) I think that's going to be some pretty exciting.
0: Yeah, I feel like, I mean, anytime you're using a call like that for a predator, it's just a different level of like Mm -hmm. adrenaline. And I see it even with coyote hunting. I mean, that's, we've called in coyotes now. And, uh, in Texas, we called in pigs with a, with a piglet squeal. And, uh, that was wild because we were hunting them at night and we had thermals and night vision. Yeah. And when we did that. You play that piglet squeal and instead of them coming in, responding to prey, they're coming in because they think something's got a piglet and they're coming to defend it. And it oh, was wow. literally the second that we hit that call, boom, two sows were running all the way really? to us. But wow. I want to do predator calling for, for bears and wolves. I feel mm. like
1: both would be a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. So I what I've read and what I've been learning the last little bit is that when you're predator calling for bears, Um, you want to make sure you got a a big cliff or a tree or a big rock on your back, because most of the time when you're in bear country, you're also in cougar country and they'll, they'll sneak up from behind you or drop down from a tree or something crazy. So you want to be, uh, very aware of what's going on around you. Oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'd have two people. Like we just sit back to back, turn the Mm -hmm. call on and
0: see what happens. Um, (laughs) that actually happens quite a bit where, uh, people will be Turkey hunting. And they'll Hmm. have other animals come in. I know there was a guy, I don't remember what state, but I think it was this past season or maybe two seasons. No, I think it was this past one. He was turkey calling. And I mean, you're completely covered up. You might have a turkey decoy out in front of you, but he said all of a sudden he just got hit. He's like, dude, it felt like somebody punched me in the face. (laughs) And he's like, I didn't, I didn't know anything was going on at all. I'm just calling. And all of a sudden, boom. And I, I, Pick myself up or get myself back together, and I look, and a mountain lion's running off, and Whoa. a mountain lion had come in and just hit him because it came around the tree that he was at and yeah. thought that he was a turkey, and Whoa. so yeah, it just hit him once, that's and then crazy on, and I'm like, dude, that's wow. yeah, that's that's a little bit <laughs> sketchy.
1: No kidding. I feel that's like at nice. that point
0: you just have a call like at the base of your tree.
1: And then you could be up in a tree stand. Maybe that's a little bit better of yeah. an idea. Yeah, if we're definitely have someone with you, I think that would be uh wise. Yeah,
0: we've I've done uh I've done some nighttime coyote hunting. That's mm-hmm. a lot of fun, but here in here in Missouri, you can't use or it used to be that you couldn't use artificial light at all. Okay. And so you had to have like full moon or snow on the ground in order mm-hmm. to be able to see anything. I see and was one time where i went out in the field and i'm sitting there by myself i mean i'm probably like 300 yards away from the house and i started calling and it was a full moon night i could see not really well but i could enough and i was like man if one comes in i've got my shotgun i've got buckshot in it like yeah i could possibly make it happen and i heard something snap right behind me like five yards and i just slowly turn and there's a coyote that was sneaking in right on me. Oh wow. And uh i ended up not even getting a shot at it because it it got spooked <laughs> and ran off and by the yeah. time i pulled the trigger it was too far but wow. <laughs> there That's yeah, crazy. there's just a different level when you're trying to tell them that you are free food mm-hmm. and they come in they're not, you know, nearly as worried about human presence at that point or like checking their surroundings i feel
1: like they're just coming in to eat oh exactly like i've I've been reading and stuff and it's like well be the prey like move around and then call a little more and then (laughs) move some more it's like okay well i'm the prey this is uh this is interesting (laughs) yeah i'm baiting Uh, with myself yeah exactly it's uh most situations probably the least favorable thing you could be doing
0: oh yeah um do you guys ever hunt from the ground
1: at the outfitter or is it always in a tree yeah. Usually it's in a tree. Sometimes if, if somebody, um, for physical reasons or whatever, they can't get up in a tree stand, then they'll sit in a ground blind. But most of the time it's, uh, in a tree stand. We've had a couple times where we've had, um, vets come that have been injured and stuff and they can't climb or whatever. And then we'll, uh, we'll get a ground blind set up for them, but it usually works better from, from a stand if you can. Yeah. Have you
0: seen in, what is the reason that it works better from a stand? Is it visibility is it wind is it something else
1: yeah a, a co- kind of a combination i mean you're you're up above the bears so if they tr- come in and they try to circle around to see where the um like if there's something at the bait already then there's a, a lower chance of them seeing or smelling you and yeah you're up in the trees and so then when they're real close they're even and they have terrible eyesight but from 20 yards they can still see pretty good so yeah. If you're if you're up in the tree as well as 20 yards away, then there's less chance of them seeing you.
0: Are, are you guys basically putting people in stands based on wind direction? Or do you guys have like a pretty good scent control regimen that you go through? Um, or is it, you know, you get them up there, the bears are so focused on food, it's
1: not quite as big of an issue. No, we do try to play the wind as much as we can. Usually, uh, the way it works, we'll, we'll have lunch at like 1 p.m. or something in the afternoon and then we'll go, um, we'll go to the tree stands, like two to three or something. And then we'll, we'll definitely, we'll have a few sites that we're thinking of putting them in and then depending on the wind, we'll pick, okay, this one's better for it. And, and, uh, it just gives them an extra, uh, that extra edge. A lot of times the big bears will, will do a full circle of the bait site anyway. So you kind of lose your advantage there, but, uh, it's just an extra little thing you can do so that they're more comfortable when they're actually at the bait site.
0: Yeah. That makes sense. Um, are how close to the bait
1: site are the tree stands? Uh, anywhere between 50 and 25 or 30 yards max. Okay. So you're, you're in pretty close. Yeah. Which makes it exciting. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I could imagine, especially
0: it. I feel like everybody I've talked to recently about bear hunting. They all say the same thing that you did earlier about how sneaky they are. Like Mm -hmm. a bear I mean, that's not a small animal by any means no. and how quietly they can get in there. Sometimes I wish that squirrels would be a little bit more quiet because every time <laughs> I'm deer hunting, it
1: sounds like a bear is running through the woods and it's mm-hmm. just a squirrel. But yeah, exactly. I I yeah, know it's, it's absolutely amazing. Like a couple times where I've, I've seen them before I heard them and so you can watch them like walking and you don't hear anything. They just like silently walking through the bush and it's like, wow, how do they do that? Yeah. I,
0: I don't understand animals period. Like, I mean, I get it. They have to be quiet in order to survive, Mm -hmm. whether it's to avoid predation or to get to prey, or, you know, just to avoid fights or encounters with other animals. But, um, what, what can people expect? Like when they come up to the outfitter, um, are, are you guys like roughing it out there? Do you guys have like wall tents and stuff or are you guys Setting people up in lodges. What does that
1: look like? Yeah, no. So we got um when people come to our camp, we got um cabins that they're in, and they're it's pretty uh it's a nice setup. Like they we got heat and AC and um, TV, Wi-Fi, everything, everything you want or you could want at a camp, running water, all that stuff. So we have a lot of uh businessmen that'll come up and do work in the in the mornings, and we only really hunt in the afternoon anyway. So after lunch they'll do their hunting and we're usually this time of year when they're hunting like right now it doesn't get dark till sometimes like 11 so they're Damn. sitting in the tree stand from say like 3 till 10 or 11 depending on the the week but well uh it's it's not we're not roughing it by any means <laughs> yeah
0: no that's cool i mean <laughs> I, there's times when I like to rough it and there's times mm-hmm. where I'm like, dude, a movie sounds really good right now. <laughs> and after those long days in the tree stand, I mean, people, people obviously, uh, associate spot and stock hunting with more physical, like, you know, you're going to be exhausted, but there's yeah. a certain exhaustion that comes from
1: sitting in a tree stand for hours. Oh, for and sure. Hours and hours. and yeah. it's
0: hard to explain unless someone's experienced it.
1: Oh yeah. And just being alert for that long period of time. And it's just, just you and and the bush and, and bears if they come in. And as there's, like you said, there's definitely a different aspect to it. Just, uh, it's kind of like, I mean, like working physically or, or working with your mind, you can be just as, or more tired when you're, uh, when you're thinking all day instead of actually working. So this oh, is a different, sure. different way of, uh, of hunting.
0: Yeah. How many, how many, um, bait sites and, or hunting sites do you guys have and how many acres are you hunting?
1: Well, we're our area that we're allocated is about a million acres and we have depending on the season as well, depending on how high the river is and all that, but we'll have between like 40 and 60 bait sites running on a typical season. Yeah. So we have, we'll have a lot to choose from. That is insane. (laughs) Like I would,
0: I wasn't expecting, I don't know what number I was expecting, but that's (laughs) amazing. Um, uh with that are you guys are you guys running trail cameras at each site oh, tracking yeah. bears figuring out you know if someone sure. wants a certain color bear or a certain size bear uh yeah that i feel like that would be almost as exciting like the different things that you get coming across trail cameras especially up there mm-hmm. um and then on top of that that's been one of my favorite things with whitetail hunting is being able to track them and just f- like track the progression like hey i remember this deer from last year now look at where it is but for yeah you guys i mean the same bear year after year getting to know them uh figuring out their patterns are they are they pretty patternable like whitetails are like once they get in a routine they're gonna do it or will they just
1: kind of disappear for a while well in in the spring like right now it's it's like uh Close to breeding season, so then they get a, a lot more erratic and they'll be all over the place. But uh, earlier in the season, when they're just thinking about food and and kind of filling up after hibernating, then they they're quite patternable. Then they'll come at a usually at a certain time and and come eat and then leave. And then in the fall again, when they're really looking to put that extra weight on, then they'll be more patternable. But like late spring, they can get real uh, squirrely. They'll be all over the place. They'll show up. They like we've had them show up like ten or twenty miles away in a short like period of time because they're big boars or they're chasing females or whatever they're doing, looking to expand their territory and they'll travel like crazy.
0: Dang. That's
1: wild to think like 15 to 20 miles. Just, Oh yeah.
0: They're they're just going. (laughs) Yeah, man. Uh, do you guys have, are they kind of the top predator up there aside from like packs of wolves?
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We got wolves and bears. We don't have any grizzlies in that area. Um, and so way up North, I think I can't remember what the town is called, but there's one area in Northwestern Manitoba, I guess it is where we got grizzlies, polar bears and black bears all in the same like area. I think that's one of the few places in the world. So that's kind of cool, but that's definitely not where we are. Is, can you hunt polar bear anywhere anymore or are they completely off the list? I'm as far as I know. You can't hunt them unless maybe there's some special tags that you can get through, um, through the natives or something. I'm not 100 okay. percent sure how that works, but um, as far as I know, you can't hunt them. And if you do, it's like hundreds of thousands of dollars. Oh yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I, I'm not going to have that
0: problem anytime soon. I, <laughs> I won't be able to do that. Um, no. but yeah, that's wild to think that there's black bear, grizzly, and polar bears all in all mm-hmm. in the same location.
1: That. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Jeez. And polar bears are are like a big problem in some of those northern communities. We had a guide the first year that he had worked up there and done some work on the um, he had worked for Manitoba Hydro. And they would have like in some of those towns, they would have like problem polar bears where they had to everyone kept their doors open because like a random person walking down the street might have to run into just a stranger's house because there's a bear walking down the road. So they left all their vehicles and houses open so you can just go in anywhere if you need to. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: can only imagine like just sitting there watching TV at night. And some stranger burst through your door like sweating and out of breath because <laughs> there's a bear. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's a, that's a problem that, you know, us down here in the lower 48, we don't have to really worry about a whole lot.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, and there's a similar... I don't know how bad it is exactly because i don't know i haven't heard any first-hand accounts but they they banned the grizzly bear hunting here in bc a bunch of years back and there's some towns now in like in grizzly country where the grizzlies are getting so bold because they know nobody's going to hunt them they can do what they want pretty much that they're coming right into town and and people are scared for their kids and for themselves and it's it's getting real crazy i think there's a bunch of outfitters and hunters now that are suing the government saying like we need like guys listen to the science here like we need to get this hunt back up and going cuz it's not going to be good in a few years from now yeah and i remember when
0: they first <clears> outlawed <throat> it um it it was a big debate topic mm-hmm. where it's like there's bears that really they do get too comfortable in any type of wildlife around people mm-hmm. like life is easier for animals close to people it just for is sure. and when when you have a uh, A predator that size, or size, an omnivore, you know, that could easily take out a person. Mm -hmm. You can't let them get comfortable. It's not like having deer in town, you know. It's not like having some raccoons that might get in the trash every now (laughs) and then. When you're talking about a 700 pound animal that really likes to eat meat and
1: chase things, like you
0: can't put that near people.
1: No, and they'll do the same things as raccoons do. They'll come in and right into people's yards and rip apart their garbage but at the same time like you said they're <clears throat> a dangerous predator so you can't, it's not you can't just let them roam wild like that it's, it's crazy. yeah so
0: <clears throat> is it only there that they've outlawed it? Do, does every other province uh,
1: still have it or yeah so Alberta and um, the Yukon and I guess um, they're probably the main two grizzly areas okay and you're still out to hunt them there Nice. <clears throat> yeah, grizzly
0: man, like bears in general. It's it's interesting, and I know you experienced this, like you said, because you didn't grow up around bears or have a whole lot of experience. But to someone who's not around it, it just seems like a weird thing, you know. Like you see bears in zoo or in zoos mm-hmm. to be out there and actually see one that's like, hey, this maybe you had never seen a person before, mm-hmm. or you know, when this thing leaves here. It doesn't have like this fake cave to go sleep in on a hay bale that, you know, someone spread out for them. This exactly. is a completely wild animal. Mm-hmm. Um, that sounds awesome.
1: I mean, oh, I, yeah, I'm definitely going to try it. It's so cool. So out like here in BC where we hunt there, we found this place right at the base of a huge cliff where there's all these like massive rocks and there's all caves underneath them. And we found some really cool bear dens where you can see that they've been living in there and, We've never seen like fresh sign of them, but you can that bear smell, you can see, you know that they were there and that they're living there. So it's it's super cool to to see that part of, of nature, not just when they're out feeding or whatever, but this is where they live. Yeah, Do, like each, I guess, I
0: don't know how to say this. Does a bear have the same den like night after night for a certain period of time or will they bounce back <clears throat> and forth between multiple dens?
1: like throughout a week. I'm not actually sure. That's that's a good question, but I'm not sure if they bounce around. I know some bears will stay in the same like general area for a long period of time, but I don't know if they go back to like a specific home for better lack of <laughs> lack of better term. But I'm not sure if that's what they do or if they just kind of just bed down wherever they end up that night. Yeah. I know, I mean I've heard some stuff
0: about it. Uh I think it was Clay Newcomb was talking about mm-hmm. um how, how bears, you know, like one year might have a certain den and another year might have an, a different one. But I didn't hmm. know if it was like for the full year <clears throat> or if they're just talking about a general area. And then another thing that I thought was really interesting is that they've been doing studies and Arkansas actually has a really large bear population, mm-hmm. which it seems crazy far south for that. But um, I was just down there two days ago and I was talking to a guy, and he was showing me pictures of giant black bear that come yeah. in uh, that he has on his trail camera. Um, but anyways, they, they've been finding that a lot, there's not a lot, but there are several bears that will actually hibernate in the hollow part of a dead tree, sometimes 40 feet up in the air. Oh, so wow. instead of being in a den down low, they actually somehow can fit down in these hollow parts of trees and they'll spend the whole winter there or they'll give birth to cubs up there
1: yeah wow that's kind of cool never heard of that before that's they seem like a really
0: versatile animal and yeah you'll have to check it out go i mean just look it up and look up bears hibernating inside of trees there was another one and i know we're kind of getting off on a tangent here but that's (laughs) all right uh this guy he was cutting down a tree and he had a chainsaw Mm -hmm. with a giant bar on it and he cuts down this tree. And I mean, he cut it like a couple feet off the ground. Yeah. Uh, but it was like three trunks all uh, conjoined at the bottom. And okay. They came up. And as soon as he cut it, it tips over and out pops a bear out of the stump <laughs> that was left. And he had oh, wow. no idea. I mean, he was just logging yeah. and. I'm like dude that'd be the most shocking thing ever you know normally you have to make sure the tree doesn't fall on you yeah and now you cut it down and a bear pops out of the bottom oh of it. that's crazy that's another good video I man I get lost I get if it wasn't for my wife keeping me on track I'd be watching YouTube in like short videos all day long because I don't know they're fascinating that's awesome um how many people do you guys can you guys have up at camp at at one time like say a group of guys wanted to come up
1: and and do a bear hunt yeah usually our groups are like between six and ten or so the max we can do is 12 okay and a, a nice week for us like just the for running the camp is the yeah, eight eight or ten
0: is okay. just a nice
1: a nice number so that we can everyone's taking care of the best 12 is gets a bit bit much unless we get extra guides but yeah that's so. awesome yeah Um, it's it's a lot of fun we're legally we're allowed to guide um three hunters per guide and that that works pretty well yeah that
0: i mean the logistics of it you've got it figured out i (laughs) i'm i'm at the point you were when you bought the when you bought the place (laughs) um but speaking of of buying businesses why don't you talk about Bear beans coffee for a bit because i know that you got into that and I I checked out your website and it's all about um good coffee and helping bears. And so yeah. I feel like I would be doing you a disservice to not
1: give you a chance to share about that. No, yeah, I appreciate it. So last year, um, it was kind of our, our second season of, of COVID, which was really hard on us because the border was closed and people couldn't come across and like all of our clients except for one are American. So that, that hit us pretty hard for a couple of seasons there. And, uh, we were trying to think of ways, like, how can we keep this thing alive? How can we stay in the bear hunting industry and, and, uh, and kind of keep going with it. And kind of at the same time, I had moved away from Manitoba back here to British Columbia. So I wasn't physically at the outfitter anymore. And I couldn't really help as much as I would have liked to at the time. So we were thinking of different things to do and I'm like, well, I drink a ton of coffee and, um, I love bear hunting and I kind of want to do something that where we can like give back to bear conservation. Cause I thought that was kind of cool too. And I did a whole bunch of research and yeah, we kind of started it from nothing. It was just an idea. in I think October and December, we kind of got started selling coffee and promoting the brand and stuff. So it's, uh, it's been quite the ride starting up business from nothing that way. And, and, uh, yeah, figuring out how that all works, shipping it and, and, uh, getting good coffee. I had to learn about, about coffee. Cause I, like I was saying earlier, I, I drank coffee since I was a kid, but, uh, it was always just garbage grocery store coffee. And now, now I'm starting to learn a lot about good coffee and I can't drink that other stuff anymore. So it's, uh, it's been a learning experience in all kinds of ways and it's so much fun. And another thing of it, was that my wife and I, we've kind of decided that from now on, we're not going to be part of any business unless there's an aspect of like giving back to a community of some sort. So this was perfect fit for that. So we're able to give 10% of our proceeds back to conservation all over North America. And it's it's been super fulfilling. And we've met so many great people through the course of it just in the last like six months.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. And I mean, coffee, coffee is like a staple all across civilization. I feel like anywhere you go that has civilization has coffee. I, Mm -hmm. this is one of the areas, like I mentioned before we started recording that I just, I don't relate to people because I'm not a coffee drinker. And it's really (laughs) funny because there's something, there's something so intriguing about coffee that even though my wife isn't a coffee drinker. She wants me to be one because she just thinks it's cool. She's like, just uh, for you to like wake up and have a cup of coffee in the morning. I just feel like there's a level of attractiveness about it. And I'm like, really? <laughs> really? I've literally never thought uh, like if I saw you drink something, it would make you a better looking person. And uh, anyways, it's just kind of a joke that we have. I'm like, uh, oh, yeah. So all
1: you like all the guys at Starbucks? Are they more attractive to you? <laughs> Well, maybe I'll have to send you some coffee and then you'll be more attractive to your wife. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, I, I've i tried it
0: like here and there. but Yeah, like I told you, I've never had a full glass of coffee in my life. I mean, huh. everyone, and it's funny because literally everybody wants me to try it. And I'm like, guys, you're wasting good coffee on me. I don't know. <laughs> like you could give me Folgers or anything else because yeah. I'm not a coffee drinker. I just won't even probably be able to I'll, I'll be able to tell a difference in taste, but I don't mm. even know what it's supposed
1: to taste like if it's good. Exactly. And yeah, my that's funny. My wife is like that too. She's never drank coffee and she'll try some from me sometime. And I'm like, hey, try this coffee. This is a new one. And she's like, Yeah, it's just coffee. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well it was the same thing
0: for beer, like early on. There's those people mm. that could tell you almost everything about a beer just by tasting it. And yeah I'm like I I just don't like yeah sure, I'll have one here and there, but I don't know a whole lot about it and <laughs> and then there's people like my buddy, and he tells yeah, he'll just like take a drink and he'll be like, oh this is this is that one like secret ingredient that's in this, and this is the type of beer, and I didn't yeah. even realize how many different ones there were until we were actually in Alaska at a brewery hanging out with some friends, and they mm-hmm. had the chart of all like the different sub types okay. of beer. And I'm yeah. like, dude, there's like 300 different types of beer that you can get. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know. I see uh, lager and IPA and things like that. Other than that, I couldn't tell you what it was. <laughs> um, but yeah. That's hilarious. the The beverage industry is a whole different world. Um, but that's amazing that you guys have been able to start a coffee company, give back 10 percent to conservation, and that's mm-hmm. that's no joke. I mean, 10 percent is a lot of a lot of what a business makes you know yeah. there's some businesses that that's their margin and so the fact that you're <laughs> able to give 10 back uh you know to the outdoor activities that you love is
1: pretty cool yeah for sure and like i said the probably my favorite part about that whole thing is that the the connections that we've made like everywhere like the guys from blood origins and um how for wildlife and and people from all over it's been such a such a great um community like the the conservation community and bear hunters like colby moorhead from the bear Hunting magazine those guys are just all so awesome and i'm so grateful to have met them all and it's all because of the coffee business and giving back to conservation so that's that's been like incredibly fulfilling to to be part of that and i mean right now we're not making a ton of money so we're not able to give a ton back yet but just being that small part of like hey we're actually doing good in the world and that's it's It feels so good. It's just, it's the best thing ever. Yeah. That's cool. Have you, have you got to
0: do any hands-on work with conservation organizations yet? No, not, not
1: yet, but um, you were mentioning Arkansas before, and they just had that a big fundraiser for their, um, their collaring project that's coming up soon. And that blood origins ran that whole thing. And, and we were able to be part of that um, the giveaway part of it, because all of the winners of that whole, uh fundraising event are all getting our coffee as as one of their prizes so that's one part that we can do is is to give coffee to people that are are donating to causes like that so that's that's really cool
0: yeah that's awesome um is there in this might just be naive of me is there <laughs> like an uh a national or a continental
1: like bear organization right now yeah so it used to be called the Western bear foundation. And just recently in the last couple of months, they renamed it as the American bear foundation and that's run by Joe Condales. And they, they run a super, super core cool organization where they, um, they were more focused on the Western States before, but now they're kind of branching out over the whole country. And yeah, they, they support bear conservation, um, all across the board. So that's, that's the organization to support. If you're like, if you want to do the, the best good for bear hunting specific, and and of course there's lots of more state level organizations like Michigan Bear Hunter Association and and uh, a whole bunch of other ones
0: it's i love seeing within the hunting community all of these like subcultures of people who mm-hmm. are just die hard about bear hunting or houndsmen totally. or turkey hunters and yeah. To see people like find that common ground, especially when everyone's divided, you know, like everybody has an opinion of how you're supposed to do it. What's right. What's wrong. What makes you a better hunter? What doesn't. But when you see these organizations, I mean, it's, it's just like everybody of one mind going after the same cause, which is typically the bettering of habitat,
1: the population, the age structure
0: for Mm -hmm. a certain
1: species. So exactly.
0: No, that's that's so cool.
1: I, I, uh, a guy called me a few weeks ago. He was some guy who was like 80 years old or something. He was from Michigan and he had been a bear hunter his whole life. And I, I don't know if his health or whatever, but he wasn't able to bear hunt anymore. But him and I had like an hour long conversation about bear hunting. And one of his son-in-law's was a hunter. So he was going on about that. And it was, it was such a cool experience to talk to this old guy. And he was just, he just, everything about him was he just loved bear hunting. And it was, it was so cool to have those kind of conversations with people yeah that's awesome um what before
0: i know we're coming up on an hour holy cow i just looked at my clock and that's that's crazy to me um (laughs) what can someone expect or what should they plan for when it comes to a bear hunt say they're coming up from the states um do you guys have like the firearms provide to provide or do they need to figure that whole thing out getting them checked across the border um i yeah i guess what are some tips that you would give somebody who wants to go up to Canada and hunt a bear for the first time?
1: Yeah, for sure. So it's it's actually easier than you might think. Um, so when when you hunt or book a hunt with Bear Track, which is our company, we, we take care of absolutely everything. So you show up and if you're flying in, you fly into Winnipeg, um, which is our only big city in in Manitoba, and we'll pick you up from there, bring you to our camp, and you don't have to take care of anything from that point. We take care of Like i was saying the cabins your lodging all of your food all of your transport back and forth everywhere and to get firearms in it's actually surprisingly easy um brandon my business partner he does all of that kind of stuff but he'll just send a form that you have to fill in bring it with you to the border or to the airport wherever you're going and just to prove that what you're doing with your firearms when you come in and it's it's very pain-free and super easy we don't provide weapons for people i don't think we might have done it once or something but um we definitely don't don't try to do that okay people are usually better with their own weapons and it's just not something we want to get into um just for liability and whatever else so but uh but yeah once once you show up at our camp we take care of absolutely everything from that point until when you leave so if you're flying you show up at winnipeg you'll stay usually fly on sundays and then stay the whole week and We'll drop you off again Saturday, take care of everything from um, yeah, like I was mentioning, meals, lodging, um, all the transport to hunting locations, all that stuff. We'll take care of all your meal prep um and like taking the meat and the hides and all that stuff and getting that ready for transport. And we even have a, a really good taxidermist in Winnipeg who does a lot of our customer stuff. And uh so we can take for organizing that as well.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Um, and <laughs> I've seen like the bear rugs and even a European mount of a bear skull. Um, that's all pretty awesome. Do Mm -hmm. you guys, is is it required by law to take the meat when you shoot one there? Cause I didn't even know this, but apparently some places you don't have to do anything with the meat because of trichinosis and and the
1: potential of getting that.
0: Hmm.
1: Well, I, I actually don't know for sure. Um, the the laws regarding like if you have to take the meat we always do just because we don't want it to go to waste and um yeah. if people don't want it then we'll take it ourselves for our own families or whatever so we never let it go to waste either way even if they can't or they don't want to transport it so we'll take the meat off and and uh usually by the end of bears you know have a freezer full that we take home and share with our friends and family so it uh it never goes to waste either way yeah that's cool i yeah. That, I mean, that was very
0: surprising to me because I've been places where they're very strict about how much of it you have to take. I mean, like mm-hmm. all the little things that most hunters don't even, don't even bring home. And, yeah. um, and then to find out that there's certain places where if you hunt a mountain lion or a bear, you don't have to take anything except for this, uh, except for the Cape. Hmm. And it just seemed different to me i guess i mean yeah i get it you know like if you've got a family and you're afraid that cooking it might not get the trichinosis out or whatever and your family could get sick from it but at the same time i'm like man that's a lot of good meat oh because absolutely i've had bear burger i think one time i haven't had mountain lion yet but mm-hmm. those are two of the bigger carriers um for yeah. trick and i'm just like dude that's so much good meat like oh yeah know, absolutely. how much how much meat do you get off of, uh, like, say, say someone shot a 400 pound bear, how much of that would be meat in comparison to like the bones and the intestines and fur?
1: Yeah. So I don't know. It, it's so, it varies even on a bear that size it will vary how much meat you can get off of it. But I would say like a good hundred pounds, you'd be able to get out of it. So it's, yeah, there's a significant amount of meat that you can get off of um, especially some of the bigger bears it's uh it's it's really good and it's it's super good and people sometimes a lot of people will ask like oh you guys eat bear like that's isn't it kind of gross and i'm like no it's you got to prepare it proper and and take care of it right but it's actually can be really good really good meat and the trigonosis as long as you cook it to the right temperature then there's no nothing to worry about at all so yeah it's uh sure you got to be aware of it but but it's not like it's gonna be a huge problem yeah What's your what's your favorite bear recipe? Um so we make like pulled pork style usually of uh like bear roast and we'll we'll slip put it in a slow cooker for like up to 2 days sometimes just put on super low and just let it go and let it go and it's it turns into like absolutely amazing meat. Oh my god. Just gosh. super super tender and just yeah like falling apart and I love it. It's so good. I should have known not to ask that
0: question because of this <laughs> meal plan I'm on. I can't, I I mean, I'm very limited on what I can eat right now. And so uh-huh. just you saying that I'm like, Oh my gosh, I would do anything for that meal right now.
1: <laughs> well, oh, that's awesome.
0: Well, what's next for you? Will, I mean, because obviously you're, it seems like you're kind of a serial entrepreneur. You love looking yep. for the next thing. Um, but bear hunting and the
1: conservation of bears has found a special place in your heart. Uh, What's next? That's a good question, man. I, I, uh, I've been putting a lot of energy into the coffee business recently, and I, I mean, still now it's it's. I have a full time job on the side that's completely unrelated to hunting or anything. Um, my family business is uh, we grow like ornamental plants and stuff, so I, that's my full time job. But, uh, but yeah, I've been putting a lot of, of work into Bear Beans, and I think what's next is I're going to keep going that brand into. Um, and keep supporting the conservation with maybe merch and all that kind of stuff right now we've just got the three coffees and I could see it going into all kinds of other stuff I got ideas for um, branching out into more beverages maybe there's some local breweries that are really cool and that are pretty like outdoors minded so I have some ideas of, of maybe branching into that market eventually but uh, for now we're, we're pushing the coffee and seeing how far we can get with that Man,
0: that's awesome. And dude, yeah, I feel like you could have some pretty cool marketing. If you get into like the beer side of things, Mm -hmm. like you just have a drunk bear on everything, like (laughs) it'd be like a mascot. You're going to end up having a professional (laughs) team named after it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, man, before we hop off this call, I want to give you a chance to share where people can find you, where they could book a hunt, where they could, uh, buy some coffee and um yeah hopefully hopefully people take advantage of it i know we might have a side conversation after this about a potential hunt in the future but um where can other people find you
1: yeah absolutely so for the the bear hunting and the, the outfitting um if you hit up brandon my business partner at uh, bear outfitters.com or uh, bear track outfitters on instagram he'll get you all squared away with bear hunts and answer any questions you have um, he's the, the best bear hunter I know. So, um, don't be asking me, be, ask him because he'll give you better answers. And, uh, on the coffee side of things, uh, bearbeans.com is our website. And you can follow us on Instagram at, uh, bearbeans.coffee. That's awesome, man. Well,
0: again, I appreciate you hopping on the call. Um, best of luck with the coffee business, maybe the potential beer business and, uh, bear hunting, man, that's. You're doing awesome work and i encourage everybody like whatever whatever type of hunting you like find an organization that you can support that's gonna help further the causes and further the species that you're going after so thanks man and uh have a good year thanks
1: dan appreciate it man
0: and that is gonna wrap it up for today's show man
1: what what an awesome episode
0: Talking all about bear hunting and I have not been this fired up for bear hunting ever. I mean, I guess that's gonna happen after you hear about success that multiple people have going after them, seeing pictures, all that good stuff. But I'm I'm jacked. I'm ready to go. And I I wanna experience bear hunting, like actual bear hunting several different ways and figure out which one I like the best because I feel like chasing them with hounds would be awesome. I feel like sitting in a spot and and having a pretty decent idea of the bears that are in the area. We're looking at trail camera pictures and really patterning them knowing what time they're gonna come in seeing how they interact and then seeing that size comparison and I hear this from a lot of people when the first bear comes in you always think it's a monster and it might be a yearling but once you sit there and you can actually experience them interacting with each other, and then seeing the size difference one right after the next, I feel like that part of the process would be pretty sweet also. And then obviously, I just wanna randomly glass one up one of these years when I'm out in Colorado elk hunting, or anywhere I go for that matter, and try to, try to tag out on a black bear or a cinnamon phase black bear, um, I don't know. I, it's piqued my interest to say the least and we'll see what we can make happen here in the near future But hopefully you guys are getting food plots in. Hopefully you're getting draw results back right now and Finding out that you drew the hunt of a lifetime. I am still waiting. I'm hoping for that. I I don't think it's going to happen this year. I think my draw odds are pretty slim for the three remaining tags that I'm hoping for. But that's all right. Next year, my odds increase, and we're just going to keep knocking out preference points and applications, and eventually something great is going to happen. So I'm going to let you guys go. I hope you guys enjoyed that one. And until next time, get out there and chase new adventures.